Sometimes in our journeys, we go through ups and downs, roundabouts and turns that we don't expect. When a woman's body goes through a change, especially in pregnancy, the hormones, the behaviors, and the thoughts after the child is here began to be a place that a woman has not visited before. If you resonate with this experience, we challenge you to check out this podcast as my wife, Tova Jones, will share her postpartum journey. We hope that you resonate with it. Hey, 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 everybody, and welcome to the Business of Marriage podcast. I am your girl, Tova Jones, also known as the wife of the therapist. And this is your boy, Sam Jones, known as the husband of a serial eclectic entrepreneur. Better let them know. And together we are the Jones Unit. You guys, happy Friday. Y'all, the sun was shining. I don't, it's not shining much today. Well, it's evening time. You but know how we do our listen, it is just an amazing time. We have been enjoying the fresh air. Mm-hmm. We went on a family walk and I'm just enjoying all of it. Summer is coming. You know, we had that, uh, Daylight spring Sa- forward. Yeah, daylight savings time spring forward. Yeah, yeah. You know, it didn't really affect me that much this year. I don't know if it's because I went to bed early or what, but it has definitely taken a toll on Olivia. She is not going down at the time she normally goes down. Oh, no, spring has sprung for Olivia and mm-hmm. she's doing all the things like you'd like to say teenagers do. <laughs> yes, too much. Okay. <laughs> so today, guys, we're going to jump right into it because it's going to be a long one. I don't know if any of you follow me on Instagram, but I gave you all the little insight about what today's podcast is going to be about. And today I am going to share my birth story about my son, uh, Dixon Taylor Jones. I'm also going to talk a little bit about my postpartum journey and we're just going to keep it real. So this is a story time. Um, y'all, I'm not telling this story again. So if anybody ask me why my son came early, all this stuff. I'm going to direct y'all to this podcast. Okay. So grab your coffee. If you're driving, keep your hands on the wheel. If you're out and about, grab some water because we're about to have story time. All right. So I found out that I was pregnant of um, April of last year and it was super funny how I found out. So I initially thought I had COVID. Um, I, I just, I could not have thought that I was pregnant. Um, little backstory. Uh, it took us about five years to have our first, um, child, Olivia. So I just knew like, mm -mm, I could not be pregnant this soon. We always wanted two children. Um, but I wanted them to be about two and a half, three years apart. And so I just, I just knew I had COVID. I I didn't believe I was pregnant. So I went and I took a pregnancy test and y'all, I literally peed on the stick, set the stick down, set the stick down and, uh, probably let it sit for about 45 seconds, turned it over. It was the ones with the line and it didn't say not pregnant. So I was like, oh, my God, thank you, Lord. I am not pregnant. You heard my prayer. I came out. I told my husband, I was like, "Woo!" I dodged that bullet. I am not pregnant. And he was a little bummed out. But I was like, I don't care. I'm good. 
And the reason why was because I had such a traumatic um, birth and um, such a traumatic time having Olivia during COVID. So any women out there know that after having a baby, your hormones are changing, you're changing. And I was just getting back to a place where I was beginning to feel like myself. I was um, struggling with the fact that the old Tova that I knew was gone pre-baby, right? Um, My friendships had changed, things that I held dear to my heart, um, places and spaces were closed and things were just not the same. You know, since COVID, I was working from home. I was feeling isolated and I was just in the house with Sam and the baby. And it was a very, very long year um, of having Olivia. And so, I mean, the world was opened in last April. I had big plans. I'm like, we just bought this house. I am going to spend the summer out traveling. My daughter is old enough where she can go to my mom's and stay the night. Like I was going to have a hot mama summer. Okay. And, um, I just, I just didn't want to be pregnant at that time. So about a couple of days later, y'all, this might be TMI, but this is story time. Um, my, my breast started leaking milk and I was like, Okay, I had um, breastfed Olivia for almost a year. And so I thought like a milk duck a milk duck or something was like uh, I had touched it or something. I didn't know. So I had talked to one of my friends and they were like, girl, you need to take a pregnancy test. I'm like, I already took a pregnancy test about two days ago. And that thing said I was not pregnant. And so they're like, no, 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 sis, you need to go ahead and retake it. So I went ahead. Um, I was feeling very lethargic. I was tired, but I thought it was due to us moving and all the stressors. And so I took the pregnancy test and uh, flipped it over, started cleaning up the bathroom. I heard my phone ringing in the distance and I was like, I'll get it, you know, later. Y'all, I went and I flipped over that pregnancy test. And this time I didn't do the ones with the line. I, I had the ones that told you not pregnant or pregnant. I flipped that pregnancy test over and it said pregnant. Y'all, though, literally the wind was knocked out of me. I literally got weak in the knees. I got dizzy. I was feeling faint. And at the time we were living in the apartment, everything was packed up because we were moving in the week. I I rushed out to my balcony and stuck my head out the window and literally just started trying to inhale the air because I was so surprised and so shocked. And I tried to call my friend that was calling me, didn't pick up the phone. I tried to call another friend, wouldn't pick up the phone. I called my cousin, wouldn't pick up the phone. Like I was spazzing out. Sam and Olivia had left because I wasn't feeling good and Sam was trying to give me a break. So he wasn't there either. So I'm literally y'all pacing the floor. My cousin finally calls me back and she's like, what's going on? And I'm like, girl, I am pregnant. And I just bust out in tears and she started crying too. Her tears are more happy tears. My tears were like, what am I going to do? Like all the thoughts started flooding like, oh my gosh, is it going to be how it was when I had Olivia? Oh my gosh, am I ready for this? Oh my gosh, we just bought a house and was not thinking about uh, having another baby. Like what is going on? 
And my cousin just kept telling me, you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. And uh, finally, Sam came home and I was trying to think of ways to tell him. But I was like, I can't keep this a secret enough to plan something fun. So um, I took a little minute when he walked in. I showed him the pregnancy test. And of course, with his dry self, he's going to say, oh, wow. I was like, what? Oh, wow. (laughs) This is this is what you wanted. Um, and you guys, the days and the weeks began to pass and I began to struggle. I began to struggle with, am I going to be ready to have two children? I'm just getting my footing with having this one. Um, is my daughter going to feel left out? Like she's only one years old. Like how is she going to feel with mommy having a new baby? Um, I was thinking about finances. We had just purchased a big home. We got, you know, we were just, we had depleted our savings account to um, go ahead and and get our home. And then um, this pregnancy, I was sick from day one. Day one, I was uh, nauseous. I had bad headaches. And, you know, everybody's like, get to the second trimester, get to the second trimester. So, you know, and with my daughter, I was not sick. Um... I did. I was sleepy all the time, but I wasn't sick. And so we finally went to that first appointment and um, I had calculated in my mind what I had thought I was. I'm thinking like, okay, I'm about 10 weeks pregnant. I'm almost, you know, I'm halfway there. So I I get to um, the doctor and I'm thinking I'm about to be coming out of my first trimester. And she's like, "Uh, we can't, you know, hear the baby on the monitor. And I'm like, what? I'm I'm like 10 weeks. Like, you should be able to hear this baby. So they were like, we're going to just give give you a vaginal ultrasound and we'll see what's going on. So um, they did that and they gave me a vaginal ultrasound and come to find out I was only five weeks pregnant. So I was fresh, which makes sense as to why the first pregnancy test did not catch that I was pregnant because I was fresh, fresh pregnant. Okay. And so they gave me a due date of December 24th, Christmas Eve. And I was like, okay, we're we're into this. So the months and the days pass by and I become sicker. I have no energy. I'm starting to feel remorseful. But at the same time, I'm thanking God because there was a time where I prayed for moments like these. I prayed for God to bless me with children. I prayed to God that my womb would open. And not only did he open it once, he opened it twice. And so I was in a weird space of being thankful for the miracle that God had done, but also feeling scared, anxious, nervous. Um, And so I, you know, we began to think about the sex of the baby and I was adamant. I was like, Lord, okay, I'm not pregnant when I want to be pregnant, but I'm pregnant. I cannot have another girl. Like I was adamant. My mom and they were like, Tova, you know, what if it is a girl? You, c-? I said, I'm going to cry. If I find out that this baby is a girl, I'm going to cry. I was just honest. I'm like, I've been sick. I've been wore out. Like, I'm like, Lord, you can at least give me what I asked for. And um, two years prior when we had Olivia, like we told you in the vision, um, episode we had planned out our children so we had a vision board for Olivia and we had a vision board for Dixon and so I'm just like 
Lord, I don't even have a vision for a girl. I have no name for a girl. Like your, I was, I was saying a word. I was like, your, your Bible says, your word says that without vision, the people perish. God, I don't have a vision for my daughter. I probably use that scripture all out of context, but listen, I was desperate. I was trying to pull everything out of my hat to make sure that I had this boy. So we went to the ultrasound and the ultrasound before the sex of the baby, um, I found out that I had a condition called Versa Priva, which was that my umbilical cord went outside of my body and um, then came back in to attach. So the baby was still getting all the nutrients, but there was concern because if my cervix did not stretch or um, didn't move, there is a entrance in your cervix that during labor, like if I was to have contractions, that it could cut the umbilical cord and then myself and the baby could bleed out. And so with that being said, they were already having talks about me. Um, I had a cesarean with Olivia and I was high risk. So um, they were already talking about having me deliver him at 32 weeks and 32 sounded a little early. I had Olivia at, I believe, 35 weeks, almost 36 weeks. And I was okay with pushing it to 35, 36. So they're like, if your cervix continues to grow and the entrance continues to widen, which normally it does, then, you know, we won't have to um, have you come in for 32 weeks at 32 weeks and then stay until 36 weeks. And so once again, I left the hospital kind of discouraged. I'm like, Lord, this was not the plan that I had. I wanted to enjoy my summer. I wanted to enjoy my new home, my daughter walking, talking. I just felt like I was in a place, a dark place, um, because being selfish, I, I just didn't want to have a baby at this time. And then I found out that I have this condition, which is very abnormal um, on top of all of that. And so um, because I had a cesarean with Olivia, I went ahead and I scheduled it. And also I had gestational diabetes with Olivia. So what that is, is high blood pressure, high blood sugars due to pregnancy. So when I'm not pregnant, I don't have high blood pressure. I don't have high blood sugar. Um, but my placenta does not take sugar well. And so it causes my blood sugar to increase. And so because of that, I had to go to the doctor frequently. Um, almost every two weeks, I was getting an ultrasound to make sure that the baby was doing good. So um, after I found out I have Versapriva, um, a little couple weeks passed and I was able to get the ultrasound and um, my cousin decided to do a gender reveal for me and it was so exciting. I couldn't wait to find out and it literally after the ultrasound, I came to grips with the fact that uh, I could have a girl and so we came up with a name just in case. Um, the day of the gender reveal happened and uh, <laughs> we found out that we were having a boy and um, we always knew that we were going to name him Dixon Taylor Jones. Dixon is my mother's maiden name um, and then Taylor 
is my grandmother's um, maiden name as well as Sam's mom's maiden name. And then, of course, Jones is his father's and, you know, his legacy last name. So really, we um, call him the legacy carrier because he is bearing three um, three lineages in, in one. And so that's that was very special for my mom and Sam's mom and just my family just for him to carry on that name. So uh, fast forward, um, I was about um, in October. He was due in December. In October, um, I had went to a um, my routine visit and um, they took my blood pressure. And my blood pressure was extremely high. My blood pressure was extremely high. And so they were nervous. So they said, okay, we're going to take, you know, some blood work. We're going to look at your blood sugar. My blood sugar also came back and was extremely high. So they sent me to urgent care um, or to the ER. So I called Sam. I said, babe, I have to head on over to um, emergency. They want to make sure that I'm okay, that nothing's wrong. I went over to um, the ER and my blood pressure had lowered, but my OB was very concerned um, because I was already dealing with the issues of gestational diabetes. I was also dealing with high blood pressure, the baby with the Versapriva. It was just so much going on. So they decided to admit me straight from my doctor's appointment. I was crushed. Mind you, life is still happening. My daughter is in daycare. My husband is at work. Logistically, that was a nightmare. I'm calling my boss. I'm calling my husband, letting them know like, hey, I have to stay. Calling my mom. Sam has to try to be there for me as well as try to be there for Olivia, try to figure it out. It was, it was a mess. And once again, I was like, Lord, what is going on? Earlier in my pregnancy, the Lord had told me that Dixon, this child, was going to save my life. And looking at the the current events that was happening, I'm like, Lord, I don't feel like my life is getting saved. I really feel like my life is crumbling. I'm in the hospital admitted with IVs going in my veins, trying to lower my blood sugar, getting insulin every hour on the hour for four days. So that one doctor's appointment, I ended up in the hospital for four days, y'all, four days on my back with getting ins- getting insulin pumped into me, thinking about my daughter. Because of COVID, she cannot come up there. Because of COVID, I could only have one visitor, which was my husband. Because of COVID, so many things was happening. And this is when the uptick started happening. So this was in October when thing- the, the rise of the Delta variant and all of that was on the rise. And so they were very protective. So I was feeling very isolated. And for those of you who ever been in the hospital room, you're always getting woken up, getting poked, getting checked. Um, and it was just a very isolating moment. But my mother said something to me. She said, Tova, I'm happy that they caught this. I'm happy, you know, that they're concerned about you because you could have stroked out. Y'all, I could have stroked out. I could have went into a coma Um, but because I had that doctor's appointment that day and they saw the signs, they admitted me and I was there for four days. So 
After four days, I was released with a bunch of insulin to take daily in my leg and my stomach. Um, and each moment that I poked myself, I just <laughs> felt worse and worse. And I just began to talk to my son like, son, okay, let's make a deal. Let's get you here safe. Let's get mommy here safe. And we going to make it do what it do. So um, about a month later, I went again for um, a routine a visit. So at this point, I'm at 30 weeks and I'm going to the doctor literally every single week. Um, this particular appointment, I was doing my non-stress test. And if you don't know what that is, that's when they check the baby's breathing, movement, the fluid in your sac, um, some other things just to make sure that the baby is doing what it's supposed to do and is ready to come outside of your womb. He passed with flying colors. I mean, the baby wasn't there kicking. He was twirling. He was hiccuping. He was even breathing on his own, um, taking breaths, which some babies don't ever do. Um, some babies breathe for the, you know, breathe for the first time when they come out of the womb. And so he passed that stress test with flying colors. So I was like, good job, son. We almost there. Keep holding on. Let's make it to 36 weeks. So the following week, because I was going every week, I went and I actually recorded this. I'm sitting there and they put me on the monitor to hear his little heartbeat. So what they're looking for, they're looking for his heart rate to go above 155, hit some marks below, and then keep a steady heart rate. So they want to see him moving. They want to be able to make sure he's doing what he's supposed to do. Now, we all know women that have been pregnant Certain times of the day, your baby can be asleep. So the heart rate is just normal. It's just at a steady rate. So that's what was happening. His heart rate was at a steady rate. They were doing the little shocks to my stomach and it'll go up, but it'll quickly go back to the average heartbeat. And so um, they want spikes, highs and lows for about five seconds. And so he wasn't quite hitting the five second mark. So I was like, oh, no problem. We deal this with you all the time. We'll just go, you know, give your ultrasound. So they went to give me an ultrasound. They have 30 minutes to look for the baby to do any movement, to try practice breathing, to uh, do anything. So for 30 minutes, the tech was on my stomach and it was so awkward. I don't know if any of y'all experienced this, but the tech is just there rubbing your stomach with a little scope trying to see the baby and literally for 30 minutes Dixon did not do a thing but I know my son I'm like he's sleep this is not his average time the week before I came at about two o'clock this day I came at 10 o'clock like this is not his most active moment so she was like okay he didn't do anything I think he's sleep and she's like you can go so I was like cool um mind you um, a miracle happened. The My cervix stretched, so the umbilical cord was no longer in danger of getting clipped if I was to have contractions, so they were not worried about that. So I was grateful. So I come out, and the doctor was like, Ms. Jones, Ms. Jones, I, I would like to speak with you in my office. And so I go in his office, and he's like, I'm concerned. And I'm like, yeah, why? He was like, your blood pressure looks great. Your blood sugars look fine. He was like, I'm concerned about the baby. He's not moving. 
He didn't practice breathing. It's just his heart rates didn't do any spikes. And with all of the things that you have going on, I'm concerned. I'm like, well, doc, he's sleep. I'm like, I could come back later. I could, you know, come back. He's like, no, I, I think you should get admitted. I said, admitted for what? He was like, I think you should get admitted. And I think you should have the baby. I am 32 weeks at this point. Remember, at my first couple ultrasounds, they were already discussing me having a baby at 32 weeks. When I was in the hospital for those four days, they still wanted me to have the baby at 32 weeks. I'm like, "Mm, no, if my blood pressure is under control, my blood sugar is under control, let's try to at least push it to 35. So I started to feel like I was getting set up. I'm like, okay, doc, listen, I cannot have this baby today. Once again, my daughter's in daycare. My husband is in a training. Like this cannot happen. I am not having this baby today. He was like, I'm concerned. I think you should go to the ER. So immediately I just start crying. I ran out. He was like, well, what are you going to do? I said, well, number one, I'm going to call my husband. You're not going to force me to do anything right now. I'm going to call my husband. And if we feel that we should go to the ER, we will. He was like, fine. I just can't let you walk out of here and not tell you what I think. I said, thank you. I go. I call Sam. I'm hysterical because I'm like, and and then he told me, like, if you don't deliver today, there's a possibility that your baby could pass. All this kind of stuff. Things that I don't think you should tell a pregnant woman who's already hormonal, who's already stressed because she has to come to the doctor twice a week, who's already on edge because of all the things that are already going on. And so um, I come in, I call Sam, I'm hysterical. He's like, honey, it's okay. Remember, it's for the baby. Let's pray. He prayed. He was like, I'm going to meet you at the ER. I went to the ER. I walked in. I said, hey, I'm Tova Jones. They're like, yeah, you're coming over from maternal fetal medicine. I'm like, yep. They're like, yep, we have your room prepared upstairs. I said, hold on. I'm just here to, like, can we please double check? Can you give me an ultrasound, all of that, before we go upstairs? I had experiences with Olivia where she was not moving on her stress test. What they had me do was go home and come back a couple of hours later and then see if she was moving. So I'm thinking that's what's about to happen. No. They're like, nope, yep, we're going to admit you. We're going to go ahead and take you upstairs. Sam and I are looking at each other. He's like, babe, okay, let's just go upstairs. As we begin to walk upstairs, I felt in my spirit that I was coming out. The next time I came out, it was going to be with a baby. So I walk upstairs. I walk in the room. In the room, they had, welcome, Jones family. I'm like, oh, y'all prepare for this. The whole little incubator thing for the baby is there. The the robes for the cesarean is there. The nurse is there prepping. And I just feel so overwhelmed, y'all. Like, thinking about it right now makes me tear up. Because I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. So, Sam is obviously calming me down. I call my mom. I'm crying hysterically. She's hysterical because she don't know what I'm saying. And I'm like, mom, I think I must have this baby today. And she's like, what? This is November 10th. The baby's original due date was December 24th. 
I was going to have him the week after Thanksgiving. So that's where our mind was. We at least had three more weeks to do what we had to do. Y'all, the crib was still in the box at, at the house. Um, it, it was just, it was a disaster. <laughs> so my OB comes in. She's like, hey, girl, how you feeling? I said, like, I'm never going to maternal fetal medicine again. She said, yeah, you're not because you're having a baby today. And I'm like, what? And Sam's like, hold on. Like, let's pump the brakes here. Can we please get an ultrasound? She was like, I mean, from what the doctor is saying, he's super concerned with all of the things that are going on with you as far as your diabetes and your blood sugar. We think that it's best that we take the baby. And I'm like, well, hold on. My blood pressure is under control. I'm taking insulin. Like there there's, that's not an issue. Like my blood pressure was almost perfect and my blood sugar was good. So that's not the issue. They're like, yeah, we're just concerned that the baby wasn't moving, all of this, all of that. Sam was like, well, can we please just get another ultrasound? She said, well, let me call maternal fetal medicine and see what they say, because they are the end all be all. If they say I can give you an ultrasound, that's fine. I said, well, what's my options here? I'm like, so if we get the ultrasound and the baby's fine, then I can go home. She's like, even if I give you the ultrasound, I can't let you go. Like you're here, you're at high risk. So even if you don't do the cesarean today, it's going to have to be like tomorrow, like, and you can't go home. And at that moment, I just blanked out. I began crying. Tears started streaming out my eyes. Sam is looking at me trying to calm me down. Like, I'm looking at her like my daughter gets out of daycare in an hour. (laughs) Like my, I, I'm like, I don't know what to do. I'm, I'm speechless. She called maternal fetal medicine. They're like, nope, we think that she should go go ahead and have this C-section. Um, the baby is at risk. They started giving me statistics like the longer that you wait, the more um, uh, percentage there is for your baby to be stillborn. Like it was just a lot of negativity going on. I didn't feel like anyone was advocating for me at that moment. So in my heart, I just prayed. I said, Lord, your will be done. I said, okay, let's go. Let's have this baby. My husband is on the phone calling my mom. She's coming down almost two hours um, to come sit with the baby. My mother-in-law picks up Olivia from daycare. My friend is going to the house to give me some clothes because I just have the clothes on my back. Um, and I'm getting prepped to have surgery right before she comes out. She says, Tova, your baby is going to have to be in NICU for, um, until he is 35 weeks. He was 32 weeks going on 33 the next day. So basically he will have to be in NICU for two weeks if nothing else is wrong. So if everything is good, he at least has to be in the queue for two weeks. If there's other complications, they will play it as we go. I said, okay. So they will me back and I am playing Maverick music. Gyra, you are enough because I'm like, Lord, it's in your hands. And so they began to cut me open And I'm looking at the screen, you know, of them cutting me open. And all I am praying is, Lord, let my son be okay. Let everything 
be functioning properly. God, please just allow my body to do what it needs to do to produce milk, to do what it needs to do to care for him. Because I know I'm not going to be able to really rest up because my baby's going to be in the NICU and I'm going to want to see him every day. So he comes out screaming to the top of his lungs, crying and screaming. And they're like, oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. He's so cute. So healthy. So loud. They just didn't expect this. This preemie to be coming out with such strong lungs. And as soon as I heard his voice, I just melted. So, um, of course, they put the CPAP on him. His his oxygen was a little low, but just the cutest little peanut. And um, our journey began with him being in NICU. I was trying to heal as well as go up to the hospital every day, pumping milk to see my son. Um, he was in NICU for two weeks and then he was released, um, the week, the Monday of Thanksgiving. So my family came down and surrounded me with love. The days, the weeks, the months after having him, of course, my hormones and postpartum began to, uh, creep in. I had set some things in place, um, because of what I experienced with Olivia, feeling isolated, feeling alone, feeling um, not like myself. Um, I had to come to grips that the Tova that I once knew was no longer. And that really bothered me. That really took a toll on my mind, on my body, on my spirit. And so I sat down with Sam before I had this baby, before I even knew all of this was going to transpire. And I said, listen, I want a Peloton. I want to be able to work out just in case the world shuts down and I have no outlet. I want to be able to do makeup. I want to be able to go out and have self-care days like I cannot be isolated in this house. And I, I want a therapist. I want someone that I can talk to. I need you in this way. And I made myself clear by expressing expectations based on what I had known prior So my postpartum wasn't as bad with Dixon as it was with Olivia because I had things set in place. I made sure I had a support system. My family was here almost every week for a month helping me out because I was healing from a cesarean and having a premature baby and um, everything began to work out. And so I look back at those, that crazy story, and I thank God. I'm like, God, this baby did save my life. I got closer than I had been with the Lord in a really, really long time, praying for his health, praying for my health, praying that God's will be done, praying for my daughter, praying for my husband, praying for the transition, praying that, uh, that, Anything and everything that I'm supposed to get out of this season that I will. And so um, my son, my son helped save my life, both physically and spiritually. I believe that if I was not pregnant, there were some health things that I needed to fix. And um, we discovered those while being pregnant. And so I just I thank God for allowing me this opportunity to have my children. Um, 
I still feel sometimes a little bit of regret of how I carried him um, because I don't want to say I was resentful, but because I wasn't as joyful as I should have been. Like we didn't have no baby shower, nothing, none of that. Not because we didn't want him, but because I was tired. I was sick. Um, It's just, (laughs) it was just so new and so different than having Olivia but oh am I happy that my sweet boy is here he is truly a mama's boy and he loves his mama and his mama loves him and so that is my birth story if I can take or tell the ladies out there that's had babies or is pregnant anything of that nature just set yourself up for success let your community know what you need Um, what help looks like to you. I have friends bring food. I had people come and sit with Olivia. My, one of my main concerns was that she didn't feel left out. And so my mom would take her and she would have her own time with mommy and daddy. Like we were super intentional about the things that we did with her. And I was super intentional about my community and the things that I needed from them. And it made this process so much easier. So today, y'all, I want to pray for all the moms out there, all the expecting moms, all the wannabe moms, all the women who have experienced childbirth, who has had the opportunity to raise and mold and bring life into the world. I want to tell you that you are ordained by God to be that child's mom to be those children's mom. You were recruited by heaven to raise your children. And just to think that God entrusts us with these arrows, with these seeds um, to uh, nurture them and grow them. And they do not belong to us. They're just on loan. We are, it's almost like we lease in a car. I hate to say it, uh, <laughs> compare our kids to cars, but Our job is to return them better than what God gave them to us. And so um, I just want to pray for your strength, for your endurance in this season, for strategy on how to raise God-fearing children and just encouragement. So God, I thank you for every woman that is listening today, every mom, every surrogate, every adoptive mom, every mother, every woman who has a in their her hand in a child's life. I pray that you will give her strength, Father. In moments where she's weak, Father, help her to lean into you. Moments where her hormones are all out of shape and all out of whack, Father. I pray that she has someone that she can talk to, but that she also knows that she can always look up to heaven and cast her cares upon you because you're strong enough to carry them. God, we thank you for the beautiful children that you've allowed us to birth on this earth. Lord, give us strategy and instruction and wisdom on how to raise them, how to make beautiful human beings, how to make sure that we give these children back to you better than what you gave them to us. Father, I pray that every woman has a community around her, 
friends, sisters, moms, family, cousins, somebody, brothers, anyone to help uplift her when she's low, to notice that she needs help, to relieve her from her responsibilities, to say, hey, I'll cook tonight. Go ahead and go get a massage. Just go and go for a drive without kids crying. I pray that there's a community around her that sees when she needs help, even if she doesn't realize it herself. God, allow us to take the help. Allow others to help us. Help us not to be prideful. Help us not to be anxious. But God, help us to allow our community and our village to come in and help where there needs to be help. God, I thank you and I praise you for everything that you've done in Jesus name. Amen. Okay, you guys, that was my birth story. Hopefully it helps somebody out there. The moral of the story is advocate for yourself with these doctors too. make sure you have somebody on your team on your side that can advocate for you, your baby as well as your mental health. Okay, y'all, we love you over here at the Business of Podcasts. Next week, Sam's up talking about postpartum as a dad. You don't want to miss that. Have a beautiful day. Bye, y'all.